here this morning. We welcome you. My name is Justin. I'm the pastor here and excited. We're going to get into the word today and, and we've been going through a series in the book of Luke and we're about midway uh, through the book of Luke right now and right here we're specifically looking at Jesus's last conversations, his last ministry before he gets to Jerusalem. And so his conversations, if you've realized in the last couple of months, have intensified. They're, the stakes have been lifted because Jesus is making his way to the cross, to Jerusalem, to his final uh, destination. And so today we have the privilege of hearing from John, one of our elders here. Can you give it up for him? He's going to be bringing forth the word. Hey, guys. Good to be with you guys, as always. Sam, I just wanted to say that's a really nice jacket. Is it like a Jets jacket or an Eagles? It's a robe jacket. Oh, okay. It's really nice. Sorry. Um, so it's good to be here. Uh, like I was telling Justin before service, um, when you're 40, you start realizing stuff. So my big toe is killing me right now to stand. <laughs> the arthritis, or as Justin was saying, the arthritis uh, is, attacking, is attacking me. But uh, I'm, re <laughs> I'm ready to get into this today, all right? Um, there is no Chicharron de, so de Pollo song today, all right? That's, that's two months away. Two months away, I promise. I am going to teach it to everybody here. And then we're going to sing it, and we're going to go find a spot to eat Chicharron de Pollo. All right? Um, anybody in here an Amazon Prime customer? Can you raise your hand? That's like 97% of the people in this room. Anybody ever buy anything from Amazon? Raise your hand. There you go. Good, good. So um, if you guys don't know, Amazon started back in 1994. Yes, the 1900s. Started in 1994. <laughs> Jeff Bezos started it, and uh, he, was a, he, he was a wealthy, successful man in what he did. Um, at a brokerage firm, and he decided he wanted to do something else, and he went and started Amazon. And if you don't know, Amazon started as a bookstore. All they did was distribute books to start with. And as Amazon grew and kept getting sued by all these other companies as they, got, as they grew, they started just to consume other areas of industry. So now they own Whole Foods, so you can get your food fresh, Amazon. You can go into Whole Foods and you can pay with your Amazon account. Um, there's even stores where there's nobody working in and you just grab stuff. And when you're walking out, it scans your Amazon stuff and you just pay for it. I don't know how that works. Um, you know, some things are just scary. Uh, but they went into every avenue that they possibly could as a realtor. They, as, as a, not a realtor. <laughs> as a retailer. Um, so they went into every avenue and they sell everything. If there's anything you need, you can find it on Amazon. It is the craziest thing in the world. You can, and then what's bad is that you like search for it and then it just continues to pop up hints. Hey, we have this as well. And we have this. Oh, something you were looking at is now on sale. It's like, okay, wow, this is just bad. Um, it's not good. But to think something that started really small it was a vision in somebody's mind, and now it's the largest retailer in the entire world. They sell to every foot of the globe, right? 
There's nowhere that you can't go that Prime can't find you. They got drones dropping off stuff. You got Domino's trying to copy them right now, getting you pizza wherever you go. You can, you can go, you can have your stuff shipped to a place and walk in there and go to an Amazon locker and pick your stuff up. That's how crazy it is. So you have something that went from small to increasingly large and covers the globe. And today, the scripture that I'm going to get into, there's a portion of the scripture that I want to hit home with. How something that God it started small and now it's increasing its size since Jesus ascended into heaven. Let's read Luke 10, 13, I'm uh, sorry, Luke 13, 10 to 21. Now when he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had the disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. You should pick that up. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which you ought to... In this, sorry, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed and not on the Sabbath. Then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, do not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water. And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosened from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like, and to who shall I compare it? It is like a grain of a mustard seed that a man took and sowed into his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again he said, to whom shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour, until it was all leavened. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you that it's alive and well and active today, Lord God. Even as Justin said, we pray that it would do a work in our hearts. It would do a work in our minds, Lord God, that we would see you in a new way, Lord God. Illuminate your word to us today, Lord God, that we might see in a new way, that we might be new creations today, Lord God. And again, as always, hide your servant behind your cross, God. Speak through me, Lord God. I ask all these things in your precious name. Amen. So my first point today is we must serve with eyes and hearts of compassion. Jesus, so I'm the Sabbath day breaker preacher. I've, I think I've preached three messages on Jesus breaking the Sabbath for the, in the last, like, six months. So, <laughs> so we see Jesus once again sharing the word in the synagogue on the Sabbath. But Jesus is not so busy that he does not recognize who is in the room and who is walking into the room. And he sees this woman, and she's unmistakable. It's not like she just walked in regular. She's hunched over. And Luke lets us know that she's been like this for 18 years. Doesn't give us her age. But it tells us that for 18 years, she was hunched over, staring at the ground as she walked, unable to be upright, unable to look someone in the eyes. For 18 years, 
This woman walked into the synagogue on the Sabbath, hunched over, unable to look up. And for 18 years, she walked out of the synagogue the same exact way she walked in. 18 years, she had been going to God's house, but there was no salvation for her in God's house from this affliction. It says that she was oppressed by a disabling spirit. So from that reading, doesn't mean that she did anything wrong. It means that Satan was oppressing her. She was walking around. She was coming into these doors. Let's bring it modern day, right? She walks into this room. And everybody in this room doesn't turn an eye when she walks by to sit down. Nobody in this room shows her compassion to help her up the stairs or to walk with her or to pray with her. They just let her walk in and walk out the same way. But she came back every Sabbath. She loved God. She was a child of Abraham. This was what she did. Many of us in the same predicament, this is what we do. Sunday, we're in church. Sunday, we walk in through the doors. Sunday, we come in the same way we came in every other Sunday, and we walk out the same exact way. Unnoticed by people in the room. See, you could be serving. I could be up here preaching. Ray could be hosting. Someone could be ushering, and they miss the opportunity to see with compassion. Just another face. Just another God bless you. Just another hello. Goes back to that scripture in James where someone's hungry and he says, or someone needs clothes and he's like, you just wish them well and you say, I'll pray for you. That's what we do. That's what was being done to this woman for 18 years. When I was looking up, most people don't leave the village that they grew up in, the village that they were born in. Usually they get married and they stay in the same village. Many of us, it's the same way. We live in New York. We've been in New York for 30-something years. Same neighborhood. You in Brooklyn, you always in Brooklyn. You in Sunset, you always in Sunset. You know, whatever it is, right? So she had been there. They know who she is. These people that went to synagogue with her, they knew who she was. She wasn't a stranger. But yet, still bound for 18 years. And it doesn't say that she showed up to synagogue that day looking for Jesus to heal her. Every other time we read in text where someone's healed by Jesus, they go actively looking for Jesus to get that healing. Right? You got, you got um, blind Bartimaeus screaming, son of David, have mercy on me. Right? Trying to get Jesus' attention to get healed. You have the woman with the bleeding issue breaking through to the crowd just to touch the hem of his garment. You have Jairus trying to get his daughter to be healed. And he, he goes to Jesus to get that healing. The Roman centurion goes to Jesus to get that healing. But this woman, she wasn't coming to Jesus for healing. She was going to God's house to be with God that day. She probably had come to terms that I would be this way for the rest of my life. Maybe you're in this room and you've come to terms that you're going to be the way you are for the rest of your life. The oppression that's on your life, you're going to be the way that you are for the rest of your life. But Jesus shows up. And Jesus, I picture him reading through the scroll 
he stops, sees her, stops what he's saying, and calls her over. And like Justin was saying, he sets the captives free. That's what he said to her. He did not say you're healed. He said you're free. She was free from that moment. But he went the extra mile. What does he do? Puts his hand on her. They didn't touch the afflicted in that time. They thought if they touched the afflicted, they would get the affliction. Right? They didn't touch the leper. The leper, they, they would get leprosy. They didn't touch the person who was blind. They thought that they would get blind as well. All those things. This was superstitions in their mind that they thought would happen. But Jesus breaks the superstition, touches her. Immediately, she's healed. And the first thing out of her mouth is praise to God. She starts praising God for her healing. She starts blessing God for her healing, right? She was this way and immediately. And the first thing out of her mouth, she doesn't, she doesn't turn around and say thank you. She doesn't uh, start witnessing and proclaiming the gospel. She starts thanking God with her lips in his house. Jesus' compassion should be mirrored by us. We should emulate his compassion. If he's living in us, we should have his compassion all over us. We should see people and we should see them through eyes of compassion and be moved by a heart of compassion to meet their need, to help them, to pray with them, to recognize that they're going through something. How is it that someone can be bound and hurt for so long and be in the house of God, be around God's people and miss it? And we just miss it. I'll tell you how. Because if you're consumed by a religious spirit, you'll miss what God is doing. See, the ruler of the synagogue, <laughs> instead of celebrating the woman's freedom, he rebukes Jesus. And he rebukes the people in the room. See, he didn't deny that the woman was healed. He recognized that the woman was healed. He was just mad that she was healed on the Sabbath. <laughs> he could not see beyond the letter of the law. But then Jesus turns it around and he says, you're a hypocrite. And I, I don't know if you guys remember, but a hypocrite is an actor playing a role, right? You're a hypocrite. He says, don't you on the Sabbath, untie your ox, untie your donkey, and lead them to water. Don't you do work on the Sabbath? Oh, that work is permitted, but this is not. It's funny, right? What's allowed and what's not allowed. But Jesus recognizes her and he calls her a daughter of Abraham. How much more valuable is the daughter of Abraham to a donkey or an ox? Jesus says she deserves to be unbound just as much as that ox or that donkey does. See, for 18 years, this religious ruler watched this woman walk into the synagogue. He had the opportunity to help her. He had the opportunity to show her compassion. She probably could have been healed. I don't know. There's nothing in the text that says that healing couldn't have come sooner. So had he been following God's ways, he would have recognized us and he could have offered her. He could have prayed with her. He could have laid hands on her. 
the daughter of Abraham. He's the son of Abraham. But he missed the opportunity because he was so consumed in his religious spirit, in the rules and regulations of the synagogue and of the people of God, that he did not even see with eyes of compassion. We can be very similar to this man. We can be so consumed. There's a saying that people say, and I love saying it, you can be so spiritually minded that you're of no earthly good. You all, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And the person next to you is weeping because they're broken because of some tragedy that happened in their life or something that's going on. And all you care about is the hallelujahs, but you're not recognizing that person needs someone to put their arms around them and love them. I felt with what Jesus is saying, he was asking the religious ruler, what's your criteria for compassion? What does someone need to do so you can show them compassion? What do they need to be wearing? What physical attribute do they need to have? Do they have to be attractive to be, com to be shown compassion? Do they have to have wealth to be shown compassion? Church, I'm asking you, what does somebody need to do to, for you to show them compassion? Do they need to voice it? Because if that's it, some people are so broken, they can't put it into words what's going on. The oppressive spirit is so much on them that they don't know what to say. But if we're walking around like Jesus, if we have his spirit in us like it says, and we go and we're able to see the people that are in the room or the people that are on the train or the people that are in our building or the people that are on our block or in the store with us or in the nail salon, wherever it is, if we're able to see them and the affliction on them, we're able to talk and speak to it and we can proclaim them free because we walk around with Jesus in us and we can share the gospel and Jesus can free them as well. He could set the captive free no matter where it is. There was a preacher that was on a podcast recently, and he was sharing how um, his fashion gives him opportunity to share the gospel. So he buys expensive designer clothes so that people could ask him about it so he could share the gospel. And I commented on that post. And I got some people that wanted to throw arrows back at me. And I said, Jesus didn't need fancy wardrobe to preach the gospel. The apostles didn't need fancy wardrobe to preach the gospel. Paul was a short, fat man, didn't need any attractiveness to preach the gospel. Stop waiting for people to ask you. Start asking and speaking to people. My third point. For the last few weeks, we've been talking about the kingdom of God. Tiffany did a great job last week, Justin, two weeks ago. And that kingdom that they were talking about is the kingdom that we'll all get to one day if we put our faith in Jesus. But see, this story, Jesus brought that kingdom down here to earth. Jesus' kingdom does have an earthly element to it. It's not just 
an eternal kingdom that's in heaven that we'll get to when we die. There is an earthly kingdom that he was speaking about as well. See, both the woman and the religious leader were bound. They saw things in a certain perspective and they needed it changed. Jesus says, the mustard seed is planted in a garden and it grows. And when it grows, it gets these branches and these leaves on it. And it says that birds can nest in it. They can find safety in this tree. He was speaking in a parable. And a lot of times we get lost in parables. So let me break it down for you. Jesus was the mustard seed. He had to die and plant it in the ground. And out of that planting in the ground, the church would grow. The church is the tree that he was referencing here. And let me tell you something. These walls, this floor, it's not the church. Whenever the church is referred to in scripture, it's a people. It's a living body. It's a growing organism. That's what this tree represents. We are the church. We should be going out. We should be growing. People should be able to be found safe in us. Our city has a lot of migrants that have come in that are seeking refuge, that need help, that need the gospel preached to them, that need someone to care for them. We're the church. That's what we should be doing. Mayor Adams shouldn't be doing it. We shouldn't expect Salvation Army or somebody else to do it. We're the church. We should be doing that. We should be extending ourselves. There's people hurting from the conflict that's going on at, in Gaza. We should be the church, sharing the gospel, welcoming them into conversation, to loving conversation, to speak to them, to share with them our feelings, our thoughts, but to cover them and hug them as they're mourning lost loved ones or friends that are over there. Then Jesus mentions the leaven and the flour. Jesus is the leaven, we're the flour. Flour by itself, can't grow. It says three measures of flour. That's about 50 pounds of flour. The 50 pounds of flour by itself will never turn into 60 or 70 or 80. But you add leaven to flour and it has exponential growth. Just leave it alone. If you've never seen Food Network, go watch Food Network. <laughs> I love bread making videos on TikTok and stuff like that. Always blows my mind. I love that stuff. Just knows I watch food videos all the time. That's my guilty pleasure, my addiction. I watch food videos. Um, you, watch, you watch it. You put leaven and flour, a little bit of water, salt, sugar. That thing just grows. And what's crazy is that there's leaven in existence today that is hundreds of years old. The same strain that was used hundreds of years ago has just been, they just keep adding water, salt, sugar, and more flour. Water, salt, sugar, and more flour. There's exponential growth for the church of God. And that growth is inclusive of anybody that wants Jesus. Anybody that he's been calling and, and just 
tugging at their heart and they want Jesus, they should be allowed to come and be part of the church. And like I said, we're the church. So wherever we go, the church goes with us. Like I was saying, you're on the train, God has someone there that's afflicted, that's oppressed, that he may be wanting to have you invite into that group called the church. There's people that are part of Zion that I can tell you, they had come week after week after week and sat in service and enjoyed service, but where their growth came or where their, um, their, their faith moment came was in Bible study or in fellowship with people because they saw the church alive and well. They saw it as a safe place that they can go to. See, what that religious ruler, what he was doing was he wasn't making the body a safe place to go to. He was making it a place of rules and regulations. And if you don't meet this or you don't do that, then you're not going to get this or you're not going to get that. And that's not what we do. Jesus left these parables for us so that we can welcome people in, so that people don't have to walk around for 18 years like this, staring at the ground, never looking someone in the eye, As his church, as his kingdom here on earth, we should be a kingdom of compassion, a kingdom where people can find safety and refuge, a place where all attributes of Christ are alive and well. I want to be a part of a kingdom that helps people that are bound free. They could be bound physically, like that woman they could be bound mentally. They could be bound spiritually. But I want to be part of a church that sees people set free. I don't want to be part of a church that just adds numbers to seats. I don't want to be part of a church that determines their success by how many people or how many services they have. I want to be a church that sees people set free. I want to be a church that goes out and sets people free and doesn't expect them to come here to be set free. I'm ending early. I apologize. Um, Band, you can start making your way up. One thing that I wanted to close out was this story. Sometimes we can't see what's right in front of us. Sometimes we, you know, you can't see the forest through the trees, saying goes. Uh, a few years ago, we had went on vacation, and uh, at the same exact time, the Mendezes were on vacation with us. And uh, yes, we're really close friends, love each other. Um, so we were in Disney World. Please don't, don't, don't send me messages about how Disney's the devil or anything like that. <laughs> we went to Disney World, right? And we were there, um, we were in uh, Disney Springs and we wanted to surprise the boys who are best friends. My son Micah, their son um, Josiah, 
and we wanted to surprise them to meet up. So we're figuring out where we're walking to meet up, and we're meeting up by um, World of Disney and Legoland. There's uh, like a section there that we were like, okay, we're going to meet over there. So we're, we're about right here, and they're about probably right where that second window is. Now, Micah's walking with me, and I'm like, Micah, you see that over there? I love my son. <laughs> where? What? What? <laughs> where? Where? What? And he's looking at everything other than the people that he knows for most of his life. Like, he's looking everywhere. Um, but the funny thing is that Josiah was doing the same exact thing on the other side. What? Where? What? What? I physically grabbed Micah's head and forced him to look. He still could not see them, right? He still is like, where? What? It wasn't until they were like face to face that they recognized, oh, and you know, they get all happy and everything like that. And what that story reminded me of is that oftentimes we can't recognize who we are because we're too busy looking at everything else. We get distracted. We can't see. We, for some reason, we can't focus on the thing we're supposed to be focusing on. That woman that was walking in there for 18 years, her focus was on the ground. But she still kept coming back to the synagogue. If I'm honest with you, I probably would have given up going to synagogue after like year four. Because it couldn't, as much pain as I'm in standing right now, I couldn't imagine this woman being bent over and not being able to look at people in the face, not being able to have a conversation with someone. And then that ruler who missed her for 18 years and probably missed countless others walking through that door, he was supposed to be a shepherd. He was supposed to care for the people. That was his job. That was his responsibility. And he totally missed it because he was focused on something else. Something else got his attention. And today, Jesus is realigning our attention, saying, church, have hope because it's not just you, it's bigger than you. See, it's not just Zion. It's not just Resurrection Church. It's not just the church down the block. There's countless churches all over the world that he is living through and he is doing great things through. And he's inviting us today back into that place of being people of compassion, being people who can see, and not only see, but move with compassion to take care of people that are hurt and bound and afflicted. Maybe you're in this room today and you're physically, spiritually, or mentally oppressed. I'm not going to let you come into church today, to service today, 
and not have compassion on you. I want to stand and believe God with you. Whatever healing you need, I want to believe that God will heal you because I know he can. So I don't want you to leave here the same way you came in. I don't want you to leave here in the same manner that you came in. I want you to be able to leave here knowing that you're not doing this alone. So I'm going to get back there and I'm going to stand back there where every other leader that wants to stand back there, Justin, whoever else is here, and we're going to pray with you. Don't leave this room the same way. Don't be afraid that your prayer is not going to be answered. God answers in his time. But the most important thing is to know that you're not alone in this. That's why the tree is there. That's why the, the leavened bread is there. It's this abundance to know that you're not alone. But I'm believing that God will change our perspective, all of us in this room, to see beyond these four walls, to see beyond the seat that's next to you that may be vacant or full, to be the church outside of these walls, to be the church that he destined us to be, the church that he created, the church that he died for, to plant the seed to grow into. Don't be limited by just who you can invite into this room. There's more opportunity. I can't help but think of Jen who's sitting right there, who on Friday hosted a woman's thing in her studio, and she hosted it for people that she knew that needed the gospel. And they did some singing and some worship. That was her way of extending and expanding the church. Maybe your way is opening your doors and feeding some people that you know that needs to be fed. Maybe it's getting kids together where you know their kids are hurting or need someone to show them love. Please, church, don't limit yourselves because God did not limit us. He said we would grow to be this thing that encompasses and it's a place that's a refuge for birds. It's a refuge for people, every nation, every tongue, every type of person to come into and to be safe. So the back is going to be open for prayer. I'm going to close this out. Aliyah is going to lead us in the song. Please. If it